Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Today, we're going to hear from two of our fellow Nashvillians, contributors to This is Nashville, who are offering their perspectives on our city and what living here is like for them. First up is Chris Crofton. He's known as the Advice King for his column with the Nashville scene. He's a comedian, musician, philosopher. He does so much. He's an interesting human being. He recently ran for local office and is reflecting on that journey. Here's Chris Crofton with Nashville Confidential. Remember when Nashville used to be more than stadiums, bars, guns, Airbnbs, and property values? Well, it still is. There's people here too. Nashville Confidential with Chris Crofton, bringing you voices from the streets of Madison, to the halls of the legislature, to the rivers of Robertson County. Nashville Confidential, brought to you by me. This is Nashville. This past summer, I ran for Nashville Metro Council. If you're listening elsewhere, that's the city council. That's something I never imagined I would do because I'd rather be doing the things I used to do when there was a functioning middle class, which is making music, doing stand-up comedy, I don't know, going to the park. But the intersection of Gallatin Road and Old Hickory Boulevard The Republican legislature and the Tennessee Titans had other plans for me. It all started with me moving to Madison, just up the road from the mythical East Nashville. The condition of Madison's roads and the size of the unhoused population and the lack of services for those unhoused people uh, were shocking to me. Then Justin Jones and Justin Pearson were thrown out of the legislature for doing their job. And then came the deal for the Titans Stadium. I was mad, so I did what I usually do when I'm mad. I tweeted about it. Here's one of my tweets from late April, 2023. I wrote, quote, just to recap, Nashville has high poverty, abysmal infrastructure, no affordable housing, and the Metro Council is forcing Nashville's citizens to subsidize the NFL. This is fascism, not hyperbole either. Look it up. End quote. Another tweet, quote, put bluntly, Nashville citizens are being forced to put money toward a for-profit NFL stadium. It should be the other way around. The NFL should be paying and paying for the damage to the quality of life of the surrounding areas. Traffic, noise, garbage, 100% corruption. That was from April 21st. And something interesting happened. I got a response to that tweet Well, first I had a few responses that were like, fascism, what are you talking about? And I'll get into that later. Um, But the first response that I noticed was M. Simone Boyd said, please, please come to the public hearing on Tuesday, April 25th at 6.30 p.m. at Metro Council. Please bring 10 neighbors. Well, I didn't bring 10 neighbors, but I brought my brother and my sister and we went to the stadium hearing and I spoke. Good evening, everyone. I'm Pat Nolan, your announcer for this program. 
Tonight's meeting of the Metropolitan Nashville and Davidson County Council is coming to you live from the council chambers at the historic Metro Courthouse. Tonight's agenda is a short one on his face, focusing on ordinance BL 2023-1741 on third and final reading. The ordinance would approve construction of a $2.1 billion roof Titan Stadium and event center. The project will be the largest public-private construction project in Nashville and Tennessee history. It would also be the largest amount of public funding ever for an NFL stadium. Hi, my name is Chris Crofton, and I'm, um, I live in Madison. I don't know if I, do I have to say that my, my exact street or anything? Uh, you need to give us your address. Turner Avenue in Madison, right past the old Hickory Boulevard intersection, which is shredded. The old Hickory Boulevard intersection is basically a wagon track where I can watch poor people's cars fall apart with my own eyes. And I know for a fact, because I just looked it up, that our council person is for this deal. Nashville, Madison, well, Nashville's roads in general are a disgrace. Ellington Parkway is a wagon track. Gallatin Road is a wagon track. I mean, it's a joke. It's a joke that this is even being considered. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say that this is corruption. Is that, is that allowed to be said? Because it's obvious. I've never, I'm mostly insecure about my political opinions because I have to look to, I think maybe lawyers know better or I don't know what I'm talking about. But this is the most obvious thing. And that's why I'm here. It took something this obvious to embolden me to speak. Usually I second guess myself, but this issue is so clear cut. It is immoral and corrupt to pour public money into a private enterprise. This is socialism. This is socialism or authoritarianism forcing the citizens to pay for monuments. The Soviet Union, in the Soviet Union, this money would be going toward a, a gold statue of Stalin. It's the same thing. I can't drive the roads here. I used to live here when there was when there were roads you could drive. I used to live here when there was there were apartments you could afford to rent. I can't afford to go to a Titans game. There are teachers out in line out there talking about how they can, can't afford enough teachers to teach the students we have. This is a disgrace. You guys know it. This is everything to do with lobbyists. It's the only thing that makes sense. It's the only thing that makes sense. And so I just want to say. Um, that I'm grateful for the chance to speak. Thank you. It felt so good to speak truth to power. And when I was finished, I felt sad because I felt like I knew how the city council was going to vote. I felt as if it was a foregone conclusion, which made me feel bad, but I felt good because it was the first time I had ever spoken truth to power in such a, in a, in such a straightforward way, you know, not through stand-up comedy or an advice column. I also set a record for the number of times uh, someone said wagon track in a public setting. And when I got finished, the first message I got was from Sean Parker, Democratic Socialist Council member from District 5, saying, why do you have to demonize socialism? And I was not trying to demonize socialism. Uh, we need socialized medicine in this country so, so very badly. Um, it's a disgrace that we do not have public health care. My point was to say socialism to these people on the city council who were voting for the stadium deal and who were giving tax money to the NFL, uh, just trying to highlight to them because they think this is capitalism, but uh, this is socialism, but it's for corporations. So we're going the wrong, wrong direction. The people who need socialism are us, not the NFL. So after I spoke, I thought, well, the next thing I should do is explain um, to people who follow me why I said that the stadium deal was fascist. And um, I wrote it in a column for the Nashville scene that came out May 3rd, 
2023. Um, and here's some here's some stuff that I said in it that explains where I'm coming from. I wrote, quote, fascism doesn't have to look a certain way. When it comes this time, it won't wear the same uniforms as last time. It certainly won't call itself fascism. It doesn't have to act a certain way either. I think that fascism or another label you prefer for when an ostensibly representative government is taken over by oligarchs officially arrived in the United States via the Supreme Court's 2010 Citizens United decision. FDR had this to say about fascism, quote, the first truth is that the liberty of a democracy is not safe if the people tolerate the growth of private power to a point where it becomes stronger than their democratic state itself. That, in its essence, is fascism. Ownership of government by an individual, by a group, or by any other controlling private power, end quote. Our elected representatives are not listening to us. In fact, they're doing the opposite of what we want. What enables them to so confidently ignore the will of the people? Citizens United, a.k.a. billionaires' money, a.k.a., in my opinion, fascism. So... Giving huge amounts of taxpayer money to a very profitable for-profit business and looking bored while you do it? Fascism? Maybe not, but what do you call it then? Authoritarian democracy? In whatever system we are in, casting a vote is the barest minimum. It's not enough. It's time to show up to the hearings. It's time to make people uncomfortable while they do their dirty business. It's time to run for office. Even if we don't win, our very presence will make political life harder for the grifters. All I'm really trying to say is, it's an emergency! So that came out on May 3rd. I declared my candidacy for city council on May 10th. That's part one of Nashville Confidential with Chris Crofton. We'll be back with more. But before we go, we want to thank you for your contributions to WPLN and This Is Nashville. It's because of you and your support that we're able to bring you these voices. Thanks, and we'll be right back. Kelowna, and this is Nashville. Before the break, we heard from Chris Crofton with Nashville Confidential. He declared his candidacy for city council. Let's see how this turns out. I'm here at this oil change place, um, undisclosed location, um, but this is where I came right after I decided to run for city council. And as I was I told everybody here that I was running for city council because I was so excited and everyone here was I would say underwhelmed. Um, and I was wondering if you guys remembered uh, when I came through here and said I was running for city council. Nope, I do not remember. I don't recall any. <laughs> and also, do you ever go down to the stadium? Do you ever go to a football game at the Titan Stadium? No. Did you ever go to a soccer game at that soccer stadium? No. Neither do I. One of the things you do when you're running for office is you go to Trader Joe's and you tell everybody that you're running for office. So 
That was an important part of my campaign. So I'm in Trader Joe's right now, and I'm looking for some people who I told about running. Um, and you really gotta break the ice with people, and um, it usually turns out all right. That's all right. Hi, Jade. Hi. I'm bothering Jade at work at Trader Joe's. Yeah. But I, Jade, you're exactly who I'm looking for. Yes. Do you remember when I was running for office? Yes. And do you remember when I told you about it all the time? Yes. And you, I didn't know you when I told you, right? No. But now I do. Yeah. So one of the fun things about running for office, I think, is even if you lose like I did. Good publicity. Well, that's not what I was going to say. Good publicity, but also meeting nice people. I didn't know I was nice, but I'll take it. <laughs> and a reason, you know, a reason to talk. Yeah. So uh, I just wanted to prove that it's true that I did, I did relentlessly campaign in Trader Joe's. You did relentlessly campaign in the Trader Joe's. I can confirm, but he was very nice about it the whole time. Thank you, Jade, very much. This last bit here is from my um, voice recorder on my phone. I was just laying in bed after we had just finished this whole thing, and I, I, I thought of a few things I wanted to say. So this is straight from my uh, voice recorder with me laying in bed and thinking about this stuff. Please understand, I'm not a pessimist. I'm hopeful. If you talk to a young person, say 25 or 30 years old, and you ask them if we're dealing with fascism, and they'll say, uh, obviously... If you talk to someone my age, 54 or even older, a boomer, they'll say, yo, not so fast. Come on, it's things are a little tough, but uh, there's no reason to uh, get too excited. But there is a reason to get excited. And um, first step to recovery is admitting you have a problem. Um, and I, I'm not, um, I, I'm calling for people to get engaged, to run for office, um, it's time to fight and uh, and to be kind. Uh, fascism is the opposite of kindness. It's completely transactional. It's a zero-sum game. And community is not. Civilization is not. It's a, it's a sharing experience. Capitalism, you want to rebel against capitalism, you share. And uh, here's a little bit of an interview I did with a homeless man in Madison the other night. About this very about this very concept of kindness, and uh, thanks for listening. Uh, hey, it's Chris Crofton. I'm standing at the corner of uh, Old Hickory intersection here right with here. my friend Kevin Richmond. Kevin Richmond, and my question for you is: as far as politics, do you have any hope? Like, I just ran for a city council. Okay. Do you do you vote for local uh, in local elections? Uh, I've been trying to actually get back my voting rights, but what is your actual question? Because it is your actual question because you didn't win and you needed my vote, or what? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. My question is, do you have hope? Like when you think about something like your situation right now, um, and you think about the stadium. Do you think about the stadium? Uh, what they're finna do? Rebuild the stadium? Yes. I, I think, uh, to be totally honest. Yeah. Uh, you know, they took, uh, what was that gas station, the petrol, the diesel truck stop down, you know, because they said they're finna move the stadium. I don't really understand that because there's railroad tracks and a bridge right there. Yeah. So I don't know how they're going to build it up. And also they just put like, you know, for a project they got going for, probably won't be done for maybe two years or something they said, they just put like 30 people out of work, you know, and then uh, they, they took away all that business that was at the truck stop. 
you know, so I don't agree with, if we're speaking politics, yeah. I don't agree with politics on this case. If you can't make a plan of action that doesn't put people out of work, you know what I'm saying, until you get the other thing done, that doesn't rectify any situation or help anyone. You know what I'm saying? If you're going to pe put people out of work, have another job for them. If you put these 30 people out of work because you want to build a stadium for the rich folks, you're going to put those 30 poor folks out of work and they're going to be out on the streets. So that's not politics to me. That's greed. I agree. That's, that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering when I think of the stadium deal and I think about you out here, uh, you know, having to, having to ask for money, which is like totally legit. Uh, I'm going to put it like this way. Nobody from the stadium is going to drive up on my black ass right now and help me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Are you planning? I, I, but then let me do it like this, oh, though. Yeah, yeah. Let me do it like this. I don't know who are the people that have control of that deal either. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not knocking nobody in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I just think that when you are rich and you have the ability, I don't really care if somebody drives by and gives me a dollar or a hundred dollars. But I do care about this. There are women and children out here. I ain't perfect. I've made plenty of mistakes. You know what I'm saying? But there are actual people out here who need actual help. You know what I'm saying? If I got six, seven blankets and it's 26 degrees outside, I'm not going to freeze to death. But that girl pushing that basket down the street put, that's got her kid in it and ain't got nowhere to go, she's going to freeze to death for the damn, you know, freeze to death. And I don't really know if that has anything to do with the stadium deal. But it, what it does have to do with is human kindness. You know, I agree. And grace, you know. And uh, if you want me to be honest, really honest with you, you know. I do. Uh, and I appreciate it. Uh, I, I'm going to let you have a few more minutes of my time because I'm finna get really. I understand. Get really, really, I'm finna get really, really angry at the same time. That's okay. No, nah, it ain't okay. But God, I hope you are listening because you are talking to a God fearing spiritual Christian. Could you please? It is Sunday. Could you please stop having these people drive by me dressed to the nines on their way to church or coming back from church with crosses in the window and just drive by homeless people like they don't exist? Where two or more gathered, God is in the midst. So if they roll down the window and I touch their hand, God is right here on the street with me and them. Tell them church ain't just about Sunday. Tell them that any time of matter, a guy just drove by me, he didn't give me any money, but he said, can I pray with you? And that was all I needed. And that's real. It ain't a word of life about stadiums and all that crap. It is about this. Human kindness should rule all nature. I agree. You know, I, I, and another thing, if the apocalypse happened right now, literally right now, if somebody dropped a bomb, all those people that keep saying, all I got is money on my card, y'all be in real trouble because all the banks will be closed. Thank you. I agree with that. And please say your name one more time for me. Kevin Richmond. Kevin, thank you so much. I have no problem. So, the federal government is so soaked in money that it's ground to a halt. The Supreme Court has been infiltrated by billionaires. The only places actual legislation is still happening are at the state and local levels. So, kind people, let's get involved. All you need are about 50 signatures and a conscience. And for those of you wondering, I will run again. Special thanks to Sean Parker, Delicia Porterfield, Eric Wilson, Patrick Rogers, The Nashville Scene, 
Trader Joe's, the guys at the Oil Change Place in Madison, Linwood Regnesburg for his help editing and original music for this episode, and most of all, thanks to Kevin Richmond for his amazing, off-the-cuff, inspiring interview. And uh, the theme song was made by me, my friend Albert Hickman, and produced by Taylor Jones. Thanks to the people of Nashville, Tennessee. This is Nashville, and thanks for listening. Many thanks to Chris Crofton. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll hear from podcaster and social justice advocate Jerome Moore, who asks if Nashville is diversely segregated. Now is your chance to support the work here at Nashville Public Radio. Your contribution helps more than you know. Thanks. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Jerome Moore is a native Nashvillian who's seen his city become more diverse. Again, I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Jerome Moore is a native Nashvillian who has seen his city become more diverse, but he's also seen it become more segregated. He explores this question in two separate conversations with two fellow Nashvillians in his segment, Diversely Segregated. Hey, what's going on? This is Jerome Moore. You may have heard me on WPLN before, but here I am again coming to you as a Nashville native and explorer of social change. Growing up in Nashville, Tennessee, I honestly didn't think about diversity or segregation because I grew up in my own little black bubble. It wasn't until I entered the Peace Corps and traveled to Paraguay that I really started to get curious about exploring diversity intersecting with how I build power in communities. This pivotal exposure propelled me into these transformative experiences that I had in Costa Rica, China, and the Philippines, teaching me more about myself, the world, life, and further igniting my dedication to become an explorer of social change. Returning back home to Nashville, I've continued to explore my hometown through my podcast, Deep Dish Conversations, you may have heard of it, and my television show, A Slice of the Community, you may have heard of that too, that airs exclusively on Nashville Public Television. As a natural native, it's hard not to notice the growth of the city and how it's becoming more diverse, but also more segregated. So what I decided to do is talk to people like you who are living in or around Nashville to explore this idea of being diversely segregated. Now I had the opportunity to talk to Michelle Johnson, the executive director at the Tennessee Justice Center and Kyle Gregory, a jazz musician who recently relocated back to the United States after living abroad in Italy and China. Now, Kyle and I have a lot in common. One of our deepest and most profound connections is through our travels. I heard about you mm -hmm. through an interview you did on WPLN. Right. And I listened to what you were saying mm -hmm. about social justice. Yeah. And I was listening to your vision of of your contribution to facing the challenges of that yeah. and recognize, you know, we have, there's a whole lot of common ground yeah. between us in terms of like kind of our ethos and yeah. things that we're trying to do, mm -hmm. uh, create spaces for certain kind of conversations yeah. that can take people to places they haven't been yet. Mm -hmm. I thought this is the kind of guy, man, if I could 
hang out with <laughs> Jerome, Jerome could help me learn a whole lot of what I need to learn yeah. by just hanging with him, yeah. listening to him. And just like I learned to do from moving to another culture, try to see the world through right. his eyes. Right. You know? Right. So, you know, when I moved to Italy, I was trying to understand when I met reality, you know, how do my friends look at this? And, mm -hmm. and I realized that my way of looking at things right. wasn't the only way of looking at things. Right. Same thing in China. I yeah. Mean, you know, and you had that Chinese experience, too. Right. So I, I think it's it's again back to that being curious. Yeah. And because it, it I, I think it's just a general it's a great life motto. Yeah. You know, because if you're not curious, you're not learning. And if you're not learning, what 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 does it mean to be alive? Michelle and I got connected when she was recommended to me uh, to be a guest on my podcast from one of her colleagues. It can get it can get very segregated in justice work, right? Um, you can end up working in silos. You can become very lonely and isolated uh, from the broader community. So I had to ask Michelle, you know, what was on her mind when she thought about being diversity segregated? Well, I think that it's clear that our um, there's been about 400 years worth of laws that segregate us mm -hmm. and that um, marginalize many people in our community. Um, there is this perception, I think, that our clients, you know, we represent folks who are poor, who depend on public programs, that our clients are um, part of those marginalized communities. Yeah. Often, our clients are white folks, uh, because there's white folks who are poor, too. Mm -hmm. um, but, the, but the fact is, the, the legal barriers to prospering that were put into place into policies and that continue to this day that marginalize black and brown folks um, are an issue that just it's almost impossible to escape from poverty if right. um, if you have layer upon layer upon layer of policies that kind of say you don't matter um, right. and you have elected officials who make policies that devalue the lives of, of certain people in our community and so um, so it's complicated. It's complicated by our racial, by our the original sin of America, which is mm -hmm. racism and violence and all of those things. So it's like, how do we have enable every single body to have a fair shot at soaring? Well, we kind of have to start back many, many <laughs> years ago yeah. and start um, making sure that we fix some of the things that maybe people who are alive today didn't break, but mm -hmm. that we're still dealing with the brokenness of. Kyle has some thoughts of his own on that as well. Let me mention a little quotation uh, that I picked up that I made my mantra when I immigrated here to Tennessee. Uh, it comes from the television show Ted Lasso. He quotes, he says it's Walt Whitman. I later found out in a Google search, Walt Whitman never said this, but anyway, that doesn't matter. <laughs> but it was this quotation that I carried with me um, here and I still carry with me here in Nashville be curious mm. be curious not judgment mm. yeah. so that phrase actually I th would be a good summary of the path that my wife and I I think have traveled mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and we've met as I've said diversity largely in the context of you know moving to other countries Yeah. but 
during the years that we lived here in the States, yeah. were not curious enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you only hang with people that look like you, right. you miss so much of the reality that could be yours right. if you're willing to journey with other folks that don't look like you, think like you, or also in the end you find out that there's all kinds of common ground where they do, right. we all aspire to, you know, right. deep down. The thing that I say to myself again and again is be more curious than furious. Mm. Be more curious than furious. There are going to be things that are going to, over the holiday season, they're going to make you furious. But if you can say be more curious, then mm. asking a few more questions. There's science that shows if you are telling a story about your life that your EKG waves Basically, two people, the person who's listening, the person who's talking, their EKG waves go in unison. Wow. If you're talking about some issue around, like, you have to have universal health care, immediately the EKG waves are different. But if you say, let me tell you this story about my child who needed health care, all of a sudden it gets around the tribalism. It gets Mm. around the division and the isolation. Because the fact is... There is a force of love that's stronger than all of that that divides us. And I think the way to unlock it is to listen to each other. It's stories. Listen to each other's stories, which people aren't afraid to, sometimes they're afraid to share their stories with good reason. But it's like, if you can, if you can ask and keep asking stories, Mm -hmm. the questions about their story and really be curious as you start to understand how much we have in common and you start to feel like, I can disagree with you on this or that, but at core, Mm -hmm. this is a person that um, can make my life richer. And this is a person who I want to, I want to learn more about and learn from. And I think that's, I think that is so countercultural today, sadly. And it seems like it becomes more countercultural by the minute. If you know me and you follow me, you know, I'm all about being curious and not judgmental. That's one of the main points of this journey that I'm on. I'm curious to learn what you think what you feel, how you feel about our community today. I want to encourage you to be curious, which means you have to be brave. We need brave people right now, right? I know a lot of people like to talk about safe spaces, right? But I'm, I'm, a, I'm black in America. I don't know what that means. But I do know about being brave. I do know about creating a brave space, and that's what me and you are doing. You know, you have to be open-minded. Um, you have to invite people in instead of just calling people out. And you have to be considerate. You know, be kind, be patient, be a human, and treat people as humans, right? <laughs> the more I'm with you, the, the more I want to just keep hanging with you, man. Uh, but, I mean, so there is this kind of personal enrichment yeah. side of it. But there's another side of it that okay. I feel stirred just listening to you. Yeah, what's the, which yeah I, stir it up. Which stir it I up. would simply say you know i think deep down Uh every human being wants to be good Mm. and do good when we talk about diversity segregated yeah it stirs in me my what we call usually i know call it your conscience Mm. Uh, what's the right thing to do yeah this is the right thing to do yeah i want to be a part of the folk that are trying to do the right thing yeah and not just for my sake, yeah. but also because and this is another thing, you know, you learn from traveling. We're all interconnected. Yeah. Your well-being, mm-hmm. I have a stake in that.
before I go, I want to share this email with you that I received after Michelle and I talked. She emailed me at 6 a.m. in the morning with some reflections that emerged for her after our conversation. This is what she had to say. I was unsatisfied with my answers, but what you asked is why we moved to this neighborhood. If our country is to continue to exist, we have to solve this vital issue of inequalities and division and isolation and policies after policies that increase the same. We have talk, I'm sorry from right there. We have talking heads that increase fear and hurt and resentment and profit off us all being furious. It's not serving any of us. We moved here to figure it out and being a white person, we haven't yet. But this morning, it occurred to me that so much of human interaction these days is not about the interaction itself, but past hurts and trauma and deep and desperate fear. If only we could see the hurt and ignore the words and address with compassion and curiosity and lack of ego, the past hurt and not the current words, then the fear would disappear. My 29 years of clients give me the privilege of walking alongside them. That gives me a unique perspective because I get to hear about the hurt, trauma, the broken system and broken neighborhoods and family members. It's impossible for the whole story not to love a person. It makes compassion easier that when a person isn't having a good day, the instant is not escalation and ego, but grace and love. It feels like our democracy is dying from a shortage of grace. Maybe that's always the case, but it feels like it has gotten much worse over my lifetime and exponentially worse since 2017. Humans are complicated and broken. They are going to screw up, but grace is what recognizes that they are not as bad as their worst act and refuses to write the person off. Also, by the way, engages that person in loving conversation about how their actions are hurtful without giving up on them or making them feel like they are worthless. Most conversation in our Diversely segregated nation are ships passing in the night. To be a family, a stronger community, to be a more perfect union, we got to connect the ships, hear each other, push, pause on fear and intolerance and ego and lean into listening to understand, not listening to respond. Listening like you are writing a book about that person or you are their lawyer. And if we do, we will find that we gain insights we need and inspiration in a community that is real and powerful. With that community, we got to tackle the policies that devalue our neighbors and write people off. I'm asking you to please be like Michelle and email me to reflect more on our conversation. I invite you to explore social change with me and take this as an invitation to become part of the solution. Let's talk about Nashville being diversely segregated. Do you think it is? Do you think it's not? Either way, I am curious to hear from you please email me at explore at jeromeilmore.com. And remember, change yourself, change your community, change your world.
Many thanks to Jerome Moore, Michelle Johnson, and Kyle Gregory for that conversation. And thanks to you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville as a production of Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced and directed by yours truly. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. You can listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And the conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Ekelona. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And be good to each other.